I was thinking, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking that um, I feel like I talk about my kids a lot in my preaching. Is that right? Is that, do I do that? I feel like all my illustrations are about something crazy or stupid my kids have done <laughs> or hilarious. And uh, there's just, they're always come out. I've talked about Seth. I've talked about stuff that Donald has said, Donald's bad breath story with me. I've talked about them, this and that. So they always want my preaching. They just, I guess they're just so wise and just full of wisdom. Um, but I feel like I have no other illustrations but the ones about them. And, and honestly, sometimes it kind of like annoys me. I'm like, man, I have nothing else. But anyways, I was out with my kids one night um, after a deputation meeting. And we were at a restaurant. And it was all of us. It was in Connecticut. It was with Marty Schott, Harvest Baptist Church in New Hartford, I think it is. Or I can't remember. London, no, no, Torrington, near Torrington. And uh, so we were with him, had a great service, we all out of Applebee's afterwards, and, um, you know, we're just having fun talk. I've known Brother Shot for a long time, and, and uh, the pastor there, and we, this, was, this was probably over a year ago now, so this was like right at the beginning of our deputation. And over the speakers, obviously, there's like music playing, and just, you know, for the restaurant, things like that, and there was some rock and roll song on there, and Donald was, you know, just, this was a year ago, he was just dancing, like having a good time, and thank you, Brother Shot's a really funny guy. He's like, Donald, do you like this song or something like that? And I was kind of like, kind of a little like, oh man, like he's a, he was only seven and I'm like, nah, like what do you, you know, he's just, he doesn't even know what's going on. He's just, he's just feeling the groove, I guess. And uh, Brother Shot says, Donald, you like, you know this song? You like dancing? And Donald says this, he goes, I just love rock and roll. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, no one even says rock and roll anymore. I don't know where he heard that. And thankfully, Pastor Shot thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I didn't think it was that funny at the time. I just kind of got like red, like, oh my goodness. Like, at that time, I really, I really was so, I cared so much about support. I actually thought that things like that would affect support. Now, with some guys, it might affect support. <laughs> with him, it didn't. Uh, they didn't care, but, but I was just like mortified. So that's one story about my children. Another story, and I'm driving to something here. I was in Target a few months back with Charlie and, um, and Brady because the other kids were at school. And Marissa was working, so I was getting some stuff for the house, and we're there. And Charlie's just following me around, walking around, and just wouldn't stop talking. And we walked by an aisle, and there was a person, a very large person, okay? I'm trying to be as kind as I can. A very large person bending over, grabbing something. And Charlie walked right by them and turned right as, and he's short, so, you know, and he just says, Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! And I'm like, come on, we gotta go really fast, really fast. So I find myself, I find myself, oh man. That's Charlie. These, my kids have tact. Remember we talked about that? Yeah, they have a lot of tact. I find myself constantly thinking about something along these lines. Like every, every morning when I wake up, it seems, whenever we're getting ready to go out somewhere, I, I find myself thinking something along these lines. I hope. My kids don't do anything embarrassing today. Now, usually that happens anyway. I should just give it up. But I always think, I hope they behave. I hope this. Listen, all of us are different. Everybody's different. There's rich, young, young, uh, rich, poor, young, old. A lot of differences in all of us here and all of us around the world, around the city. Yes, everybody's different. But in certain ways, everybody is the same. All of us. Every person, whether they're lost or saved or grew up in church or not in church at all or whatever it may be, a child, an adult, a senior, we live our lives based on hope. On hope. All of us are hoping 
in something. God created us as beings hardwired for hope. Each of us find our identity, our purpose, our meaning, our inner sense of well-being in something. In something. You may say, people say, I, I, I hope I don't lose my job. You know, things aren't going really good. I hope, I hope I don't lose my job. I hope that my kids are doing okay. I think that sometimes that during the day, I hope, hope Seth's doing okay today. I hope, I hope, I hope that my marriage gets better. I hope I can pay our bills this month. People may say, I hope I can, I can get a house. I hope I can get, have enough credit. I hope, I hope, I hope I can pass my classes. I hope I, I get better. I'm sick. I have cancer. I hope I get better. Uh, for me, I hope we get a building. I, we live our lives based on hope. What did you, this... This week, what did you hope for? I have no doubt that all of us, probably several times this week, in our minds or with our voices, with our words, said something, I hope, something, I hope. What or who did you place your hope in this week? And it's important to recognize this. It's important to to evaluate that because your life is shaped by what you hope in. Your life is shaped by what you place or who you place you're hoping. Today we're talking about continuing our Showing Jesus series, and it's showing Jesus our hope. Listen, whatever you put your hope in, you also give it the power to destroy you. Think about that. Whatever you place your hope in, or whoever you place your hope in, you give that thing, that job, whatever maybe that person, the power to destroy you. If your hope is in your job, and you got a great job and you got a good salary and things are great and, and your hope is in that. And that's kind of where you base your, your inner sense of well-being and your purpose. And man, that, that's what your life's about. And that's your hope. And you lose that job. What are you? You're hopeless. <laughs> You're distraught. If your hope is in your spouse and they fail you and they hurt you and they wrong you and whatever it may be. If your hope is placed in them, if, if they are your rock and your source of strength, and you may not say that with your words, but that's how you live your life, just with your hope in that person and they fail you, you are hopeless. If your hope is in maybe moving to a new place, a lot of people just want a fresh start. Man, if I can just get out of this town, man, things will be better. If I can just get out of this job, if I can just get out of this whatever it may be, if I can get out of this church, Find a better church, man, I'll be, I'll be okay. And then you get to a new place and you don't really like it. You're hopeless. Your hope's in your kids. And they disappoint you. Man, I've met so as a youth pastor, I met so many parents who it seemed that their entire life was based around their kids. Like in, in an unhealthy way. That like in their eyes, their kids could do no wrong, but then when their kids disappointed them, they were just they just fell to pieces. And I'm not saying that it's not a little discouraging. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that when your kids mess up, you should be totally happy about it. I'm not saying all that, but I'm saying when your hope is your full hope, all of your hope is in your kids and they disappoint you, you will be hopeless. Whatever you place your hope in, you give the power, you give it the power to destroy you. Your life is shaped by what you place your hope in. So when we place our hopes on the things down here, we set ourselves up for failure and for defeat and for discouragement. We just do. Horizontal hope, hoping in things down here, a spouse, kids, a job, a new location, whatever it may be. Horizontal hope is never sturdy. It's never sturdy. It won't last. It doesn't come through for us. Listen, we need sturdy hope. Something that will last. 
Someone that won't shake and won't falter. Paul said in his letter to the Colossians, he told them to set their affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Listen, not on things down here. Hoping in things down here leads to nothing but discouragement and distress and despair. Hope is not a location. Hope is not a feeling or an insight. It's not a a possession, something that you can acquire, as in like, if I have this, man, I'll be happy. Uh, If I have this, it's not a a possession or or an experience. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. That is hope. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. I'll put some of the, one of the verses up on the screen, but I want to read a few. Romans chapter 5, and I didn't feel like putting eight verses up on the screen. Romans chapter 5. And we see in verse 1, Romans 5, 1, says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will will one die, yet Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Look at verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners. Think of that phrase, while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is our hope. He is our hope. Romans 5, 1 through 8, it tells us, why we can and how we can live lives of sturdy hope. Nothing faltered, nothing, nothing, nothing crumbling beneath us. Listen, the hope that is in Christ will never crumble. It will never falter. It will never fail. Because God loved me so much that he made a way for me to have, I love that word access the Bible uses, to have access to him through his son Jesus. And because of the death of Jesus in my place and his resurrection, I can have a relationship with God the Father. Listen, that hope, the Bible says, maketh not ashamed, or it's not going to put me to shame. It's not going to fail me. That hope is sturdy hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope, is what we say. How great the chasm that lied between us. Listen, but Christ filled it, didn't he? He is our hope. Trials coming in the life of a Christ follower. The Bible talks about right there in the passage that, that uh, uh, we glory in tribulations, that the trials and, 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 and the challenges that come in being a follower of Christ. Listen, we understand, we have to understand that the life of a Christian, of a follower of Christ, is not supposed to be just like this walk in the park. Listen, it says, he said, take up your cross and follow me. We understand that. But that doesn't mean life is miserable doesn't mean it's, it's hopeless. No. He says, when uh, we glory in tribulations, in those trials that come in the life of a Christ follower, and in doing that, it says you get patience. You get, you get endurance to face challenges. Endurance brings experience, which is that word, uh, you see it right there, uh, and experience is right there in the, in the passage, which really means kind of like a proven life of, of Christian character, like God is working in us. So in those trials that we face, 
Uh, we, we, we gather endurance through Christ and through his strength to, to make it, to continue on. And in doing that, our character in Christ is growing and it's proven. And through that experience of leaning on Christ in those challenging times, we find our secure hope. Every single time. It's Jesus every time. He is our hope. We will face trials. There are tribulations. But if we lean on him as our only hope, man, there's security in that. There's sturdiness in that. So when I do lose my job, I don't have to be hopeless. When my marriage seems to be crumbling, I don't have to be hopeless. Because my hope is not in that marriage or that job. My happiness and joy and peace is not determined on the quality of my marriage or on the standing that I have at my company. No, it's not, it's not based on that. If my kids decide to go against all they've been taught and turn their backs on me and turn their backs on God, I don't have to be hopeless because my hope is not set on them and how they're living their life. It's on the one who will never fail me. If the bank account is low or empty, I don't have to be hopeless. Because my hope is not based on a full bank account. Are those nice things to have? Yes. Do we want our kids to follow us? Yes. I understand all that. But listen, I'm not placing my hope in those things because they will fail me. I will get discouraged. Jesus is my hope. Amen. And it doesn't mean that all those things are just going to automatically get better because I'm not hoping in them. Now that I'm hoping in Christ, everything else, just oh, now my kids are doing great. I'm not saying that. I still may be jobless. My marriage may still be on the rocks. Uh, my bank account may still be empty, but Jesus is enough. He is enough. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And again, that's not about just getting this uh, supernatural source of, of strength to just run a marathon, but, but being content. Whatsoever state I'm in there with to be content. And because I have that heart, because he is my hope, I can face anything with Christ. I can get up in the morning and find joy in the midst of sorrow. I can find light. He is the light in the midst of darkness. I can, there, there can be a song in the silence of life because of Jesus, our living hope. He is our hope. He will not fail us. Habakkuk is a, a tiny book in the Old Testament that we really probably don't read that often or go to that often, unless you really like that book. Maybe that's your favorite book. I don't know. But I know personally, when I did my Bible reading schedule, I'd read through it, but it wasn't like I continually jumped back to it. Three chapters, kind of right near the end. And, you know, but I was studying for this message on hope. And I, I looked at this um, book, and, and it's very short, and I just kind of studied it and, and tried to figure out what it was all about and, and in a, kind of in a deeper way. And, in this short three-chapter book, the prophet Habakkuk is having a conversation with God. There's a dialogue between him and God about the state of God's people. And uh, Habakkuk starts talking about how the, the leaders in Judah are just wicked, wicked men, and, they're, and they're, just, they're just doing terrible things, and they're getting drunk, and they're partying, and they're all these women, and just all this bad stuff they're doing. And, and, he, and Habakkuk is kind of asking God, like, why are you letting this happen? Like, why are you allowing this? And he's very concerned, and he's very upset, and he's just like, man, what is going on? And God answers him and tells him, well, hey, here's my answer. I'm going to send the Chaldeans, the enemy of God, I'm going to send them to, to kind of capture them and punish them and, and really take care of the problem. Well, Habakkuk kind of gets even more upset and says, well, God, like, what these people are even worse than these guys are, than our leaders are. They're even worse. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And God's answer kind of summed up is simply this. You just need to trust me. 
I'm always right. I don't make mistakes. Trust me. This, 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 the Chaldeans coming in. Listen, they're, gonna, they're going to draw my people back to me. They're going to recognize the error of their ways. Listen, just trust me. And after some more dialogue, Habakkuk closes the book with some powerful words that I think we'd all do well applying in our lives. After that dialogue, after he's so concerned and upset, and really the whole book, he's like, what are you doing? What's going on? This is just man. And he's almost, he almost seems hopeless. Like, what's going to happen? This is, just, this is just too far gone. But after God said, hey, I got a plan. You need to trust me. Habakkuk says this at the end. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, and the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Pretty much what he's saying is like, man, even if everything is going bad, even if everything falls apart, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hind feet, and He will make me walk upon mine high places. Habakkuk says, listen, even if it all falls apart, I'm still going to hope in God. It doesn't matter what's going on in life. If your hope is set on God, on what Christ has done and is doing in your life, you will be okay. That doesn't mean you're going to have a full bank account or that you're going to get your job back or that your marriage is going to suddenly overnight completely change. I'm not saying that those, but listen, remember our hope is not in those things. If our hopes are set on God, on Christ, listen, we will be okay. When you hope in something else, what are you asking of that thing that you're hoping? Think about this. When you hope in something or someone, what are you asking of that thing, that person, that job, uh, that experience? Some people say, man, if I, just, if I can just experience that, I just want to be in a relationship. I just want to get married. I just want to uh, do this. I just want to have kids. And I just, man, some people struggle with having kids and whatever it may be. And, and their hopes are set in those things. If your hope is based on that person or job or experience or that promotion or achievement, that full bank account, what are you asking of that thing? You're asking it to give you peace of heart. You're asking it to give you meaning or purpose. You're asking it to give you a reason to go on or to give you uh, rest and, and joy, to, to, to free you from anxiousness and anxiety. You're asking it to help you get through difficulty. And truthfully, listen, that's a lot to ask of anything, of anything. That's a lot to ask of anybody. So the reality is this. If your hope disappoints you, you've got the wrong hope. If what you, Listen, if your hope disappoints you, then you have the wrong hope. If my hope was solely in my wife and she was my rock and, and she was my source of strength for everything, listen, she may be close to perfect, but she, she's not perfect. She'd say that. And it's the same with me. If her hope was based solely on me and I was her source of joy, strength, listen, I can make her happy. I can make her laugh. We can have fun. That's, that's all great and fun. That's good. That's a good marriage. But I am not perfect. I will mess up. I will get in the flesh and say something I shouldn't say, and, and, and her hopes are shattered. That's a lot to ask of anything. If your hope disappoints you, you got the wrong hope. Nothing can do all that for you except Jesus. Peace of heart is only found in Jesus. Meaning and purpose is truly found in Christ. When all else falls apart, Jesus is there 
to help you continue. When everyone else flees and runs away and, and no one's there for you, he is still there. Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus frees us from anxiety, carries us through difficulty. Listen, that's a lot to ask of anybody, but it's not a lot to ask of Christ. He is our hope. We've got to stop wasting our energy on, on hoping in things that can't even compete with Christ. That's what we do. We, we, we just hope in everything else. And we wonder why we're so discouraged. And we wonder why we get so stressed. We wonder why we get so downhearted. The series that we're on is, is on showing Jesus to others is what this is all about. And, and this message on hope is unique because, truthfully, we are the ones with the hope. Jesus is our hope. So the quality of Jesus, because we've been studying like his grace and his love, the quality of Jesus that gives us hope is really his trustworthiness. He can be trusted. He won't fail. And because of that, we have hope. And it's him. It's his tr- he is worthy to be trusted. He will not fail us. And because of that... We can have hope, and He is our hope. So listen, when I decide uh, to complain about my job uh, com- uh, constantly to my coworkers, is that me hoping in Christ? Is that me showing how, that my hope is in Christ to other people? No, it's not. When I can't sleep at night uh, because of stress over financial challenges or whatever it may be, and my wife sees that, or maybe she, she knows that I'm stressed, am I showing that my hope is in Christ to my wife? No, I'm not. I'm not, I, what I'm saying to a lost world and to other believers when I get stressed and I'm anxious and I get angry, whatever it may be, I am showing them really, maybe without saying it, and, but that I'm just not trusting him. His trustworthiness is, hasn't become as real to me as it should be. Subconsciously, unknowingly, I'm placing my hope in something that will never satisfy. And we do that so often. I don't think we'd ever say you know, I don't hope in God. But what we do is subconsciously, unknowingly even sometimes, we just place our hope in everything else. You know, my car breaks down and I'm suddenly just a mess. <laughs> Listen, that was supposed to deliver for me. <laughs> that was supposed to get me here and there and now it doesn't. And now I'm annoyed and now I'm frustrated. Something as simple as that. Listen, our hopes have to be in God. Listen, after all of our unsatisfying hopes disappear, we're left with our only, our one true heart's desire of every human being on the planet. We just want life. We want life. Authentic, real, heart-changing, heart-satisfying life. Abundant life is what the Bible talks about. Everybody craves it. We just want, we just want life. And that can only be found in Jesus. That's just it. That's, that, is, that is the truest of the truest of the truest. That can only be found in Christ. Nowhere else are you going to find abundant life. People may love and respect me, but they can't give me life. Job promotions may make me feel good and, and give me uh, security, but they can't give me life. Situations obviously can make life easier, but they can't give me life. He is our only hope. Christ is our life. We have to stop running. We have to stop searching. We have to stop settling. Always, always trying to the next big thing and, 
And it's so natural and so common. And it's just the way of the world, it seems. And, and we're just trying to, listen, uh, live for Christ while we live in this fallen world as broken people. And so often we get caught up in hoping in other things. We've got to stop running. We've got to stop searching and stop settling for, for something less than. You're never going to find life anywhere else. You'll never find abundant life anywhere else. We can only show the hope of Jesus to others by living in the hope of Jesus ourselves. We can only show the hope of Jesus to others by living in that hope ourselves. Listen, this, this message is not a big list uh, that I'm going to give you of ways that you can show the hope that is in Jesus or, or showing the tr- trustworthiness of Jesus in your life. That's not what the message is about. Because listen, when you stop hoping in everything else, and you start resting in the hope that's only found in Christ, people are going to see it. People are going to see it. Listen, you could talk about it. You could tell people that, hey, Christ is the answer. He's your only hope. But if you're not living that way and they see that, what does it really matter if you tell them? When you stop hoping in everything else and start resting in the hope that is only found in Him, people will see it. Lives will be changed and God will be glorified. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I love that. I never really thought about that line, singing it a billion times growing up. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Things that we think will give us hope, we convince ourselves that something or someone will give us hope, that sweetest frame, no, I'm not going to trust in that but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid, the sturdy rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Everything else that we hope in, everything else that we try to hope in, man, I'm telling you, it's going to leave us hopeless. All other ground is sinking sand. Show the hope of Jesus by making Him your only hope. That's what I'm going to leave you with. Show the hope of Jesus by making him your only hope. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Lord, we love you and we need you. God, please bless our church. You are our hope. You are our living hope. You're everything we need for every moment of every day. God, if I lost everything, if I lost everything, I would still have you and you would be enough. God, help us to live lives like that. Please, God, help us to glorify you in our lives. Help us to hope in you. God, be our only hope. Be my only hope. God, help people to see in my life that I trust you and that you are my hope. And bless our church and guide us. Lord, there's a lot that we need, Lord. Now listen, Lord, you know my heart. I do want a building, and I hope that we get a building. But God, help me not to base my stress level and my anxiety, and my uh, joy on whether or not we get a building sooner or later. God, help me not to do that. My hope needs to be in you, and only you. Help us to rest in you day by day, even in the mundane moments, Lord. Help us to rest in you, and hope only in you. You're so good to us. We love you. Bless our church. I ask you to bless our church in the name of Jesus. In precious and holy name, we ask for all these things. Amen.